the Black Panthers originally formed to offer black history at their college, but turned into a political party that instituted social programs and monitored police activity in their communities. In this episode, we'll talk about how their free breakfast program inspired the nationwide program that we have today, how the police and FBI disrupted their social programs, and the controversies that led to their dissolution. All that, plus some facts about Marvel's Black Panther, on this episode of Technically a Conversation. you're listening to Technically a Conversation, a podcast where we share an interesting topic or story with each other and hope you find it interesting as well. I'm one half of your host, Jose, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Isela. How are you doing today? Doing fantastic. How are you? Doing pretty good also, thank you. Good. Ready to kick off Black History Month? I am so ready. Hopefully, I'll have some surprises with you with this episode. I'm sure you know about the topic but I think that you don't know everything that we're going to discuss. I totally, absolutely believe that, no matter what the topic is. <laughs> Excellent. Quick shout out to the queens, Elena and Erica, the Duke, Stephen B., Elba, Contra Zoom Pod Podcast, and Dark Tales from the Road Podcast. <laughs> Thank you for sharing our post on your social media. Thank you so much, you guys. With all that business out of the way. Ready to get started? Hold on, let me grab my tea. I'm just kidding. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Do it. Great. Let's get started. Isela, have you ever been part of an organization or party that banded together for a common cause? Yes. Great. Would you mind sharing? It was NYPIRG, which stands for New York Public Interest Research Group. That sounds very fancy. It <laughs> yes, public interest always makes it the fancy part. <laughs> or the research group. I don't know. <laughs> the research group was what made it sound fancy to me. Okay, cool. Yeah. What did you all do or what was your goal? We helped pass stuff like the Lemon Law. And when I was there, we helped close the Staten Island dump. There's this huge landfill there. And I got to help close it. It was really important. There was a lot of people that were sick and it smelled really awful. I mean, not that a lot of people would go to Staten Island very often that I knew of, but it was important. I thought. That does sound very important. And it sounds like you were doing something to better the community that you were in. Yeah, absolutely. How about you? I did a lot of community service when I was in high school. Like we would go and, um, you know, paint houses for people or distribute food. I think I worked one time with the library trying to clean it up. And then, you know, from work, sometimes we'll do, you know, programs like, um, I want to say I helped out in the Salvation Army for maybe one or two years. Well, I mean, it was just like one day out of those one or two years. I don't remember how many years I did it. Mm, like a volunteer day or type, type thing. Exactly. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Well, you were involved with, um, I, it had the longest name ever, so I can't remember what it's called. Nyperg. Mm -hmm. When you were involved with Nyperg, were you ever caught in a shootout with the FBI? <laughs> no, thankfully we don't have uh, shootouts like that. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever become a target of J. Edgar Hoover? Oh my gosh, where is this going? I'm excited. <laughs> Who cares if I was? Let's hear your story. <laughs> okay, well, today we're going to talk about an organization that checks all three boxes. According to a history.com article, link in the show notes, 
1961, Huey Newton and Bobby Seale, students at Merritt College in Oakland, California, met while protesting the college's Pioneer Day celebration. Pioneer Day honored the people who settled California in the 1800s, but omitted the role of African Americans as early pioneers. As a response, Newton and Seale formed the Negro History Fact Group, which called on the school to offer classes in black history. After the assassination of civil rights activists Malcolm X and Matthew Johnson, an unarmed black teenager who was murdered by the San Francisco Police Department, Newton and Seale decided they had to do something to monitor police activities in Oakland and other black communities. As this group started to institute social programs and started engaging in political activities, their popularity also grew and spread to other large minority communities, such as Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, and Philadelphia. By 1968, the Black Panthers had roughly 2,000 members across the country. Are you familiar with the Black Panthers, Isela? Yes, I've definitely heard of them. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> so as we mentioned earlier, February is Black History Month. We're kind of a history podcast. So I thought, what better way to kick off the month than with an organization that originally formed to offer Black history classes at their local university and turn to something so much bigger. This is the coolest, yeah. I also feel like it's an organization that most people have heard of, but might not know a lot of details about, me included. I learned so much researching this. Or I feel like people feel like they know about it, but it's just a lot of misinformation. There is definitely a lot of misinformation. In this episode, we're going to talk about the good, because they did a lot of good in the communities they were active in, some of the controversies, and their eventual downfall. Also, what kind of a nerd would I be if I didn't mention Marvel superhero, the Black Panther? We just talked about Jack Kirby last episode and how celebrated he is in the comic book community. The Black Panther was one of the characters Jack Kirby created along with Stan Lee and was the first black superhero to get his own comic book. Did you know about that, Isela? No, I didn't. We have a lot to discuss then. <laughs> yes, <laughs> let the learning begin. <laughs> The Black Panther Organization, originally called the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense, was founded on October 15, 1966. They drew on Marxist ideology for the party platform. Are you familiar with, with what would be considered Marxist ideology? I am loosely, but yeah, I think it would be good to read uh, or to cover that. Okay, great. It's a very far left idea. Some might call it socialism. Critics call it communism. It was developed by 19th century German philosopher Karl Marx. I could pretty much do a whole episode on this topic, but I don't want to. So in order to summarize it in a way that we can all understand and be on the same page, the key takeaways, according to Investopedia, are Marxism is an economic and political theory that examines the flaws inherent in capitalism and seeks to identify an alternative, which he called utopian socialism. Marxist theories were influential in the development of socialism, which requires shared ownership by workers of the means of production. Communism outright rejects the concept of private ownership, mandating that the people, in fact the government, collectively own and control the production and distribution of all goods and services. So just to differentiate, in capitalism, which is what we have in the U.S., the business owner or capitalist owns all of the means of production, the factory, the tools, the machinery, the raw materials, the final product, and the profits earned from their sale. Workers are hired for wages and have no ownership stake and no share in the profits. With me so far? Yep. Great. So Marxism was the Black Panther Party platform 
and the basis for their 10-point program, which was their set of guidelines, a combination of the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence. The 10-point program called for very sensible things. I've linked to a page on Marxist.org, which has the 10 points printed out. I encourage everyone to take a look at them, as I'm not going to go through everything here, but I'll briefly summarize them. Point number one, they believe black people will not be free until they're able to determine their destiny. Number two, they want full employment for all people. If white American businessmen will not hire black people, it's up to the government to take the businesses and put them in the communities so they can employ all the people and give a high standard of living. Three, they demand restitution. America took part in the slaughter of over 50 million black people and America should pay them restitution just like the Germans who killed 6 million Jews did in Israel. 4. They want decent housing fit for human beings. If white landlords won't provide this, then housing and land should be made into cooperatives so the community, with government aid, could make decent housing for its people. 5. They want an education system that teaches their true history and exposes the true nature of the decadent American society. 6. They want all black men to be exempt from military service as they don't think it's fair to defend a racist government that won't protect them and don't want to kill other people of color who are also being victimized by the racist government of America. 7. They want an immediate end to police brutality and the murder of black people by police. 8. They ask that all black people in jail, not given a fair and impartial trial, be released from prison. 9. They ask for courts to follow the Constitution and black people to be tried by other black people in their communities so they can receive fair trials. And 10 kind of just summarizes the other nine points. It also goes into the actual Bill of Rights in it. So depending on your ideology and social economic standing, you may or may not agree with some or all of these points. I personally feel like they're all very fair demands, both taking into consideration when the 10-point program was drafted and looking at it with a 2023 lens and seeing that not a lot has changed for minorities in this country. We still see minorities being oppressed and not given the opportunities to rise out of their economic predicaments. Police officers are still disproportionately murdering people of color. I mean, Tyree Nichols was just murdered by police officers a few weeks ago. Yep. It's very easy for someone to give the old pull myself up from the bootstrap speech when they're not also being discriminated against due to the color of their skin. At the same time, I acknowledge my bias due to my ideology and my experiences. What are your thoughts, Isela? I agree. I think when you were going through it, number five, seven, eight, and nine all stuck out thinking we have so much work to do still on all of those items. And that was just, you know, thinking aloud. Like, I was like, this is awful because it was in 66. And here we are 60 years later almost. And, you know, that's nothing has changed. I don't feel like a lot has changed on those points. And I don't want to be like doom and gloom, like nothing. I'm sure we've made some improvements in some areas, but I don't feel five and uh, those items that I'd mentioned earlier. I don't I don't feel a very big or at least enough. I don't feel enough of it that I would feel satisfied with. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just never satisfied. No, I agree 100 percent. And even as a Mexican, I feel like we don't do a good job about teaching our true history. I feel like it wasn't until I was in college that I actually learned Chicano and Mexican-American history. I was never aware of that growing up and going to elementary and high school. I mean, you do learn about the, you know, the forefathers and the pilgrims and all that stuff, but that's not stuff that I can personally relate to because that's not the way that my ancestors came here. 
I mean, my ancestors were already here. There were other people that came here and, and oppressed us. And that's, you know, that's a, a story. That's a history we're not made aware of. And I feel that it's especially important for minorities to know their upbringing. Absolutely. Of course, you want to be able to tell your story, including where your family is from, and then even putting yourself in the shoes of when slaves came over and just black people that had come after that, as far as, you know, descendants, all of that history is gone. They don't, that's so awful. You know, at least our people like immigrated here. These people were torn away from their families and, and brought here. They don't, they didn't have a say. You know what I'm saying? We do know about uh, Davy Crockett and his raccoon hat or whatever. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Yes. <laughs> so that was a lot. When we return from our break, we'll talk a little bit about how the Black Panthers didn't just talk the talk. They also walked the walk Ooh. right after this quick commercial break. Hey listeners, my name is Kayla and I am the creator and host of a new podcast called Dark Tales from the Road. We cover true crime, spooky, creepy, and ghostly stories, and I want to take you state by state and country by country to bring you stories you may not have even heard of before, and also learn some history on the city and the state where it takes place. So join me on the road as we discover dark tales. New episodes are posted every Wednesday. I have an Instagram, Facebook, and a Patreon, all at Dark Tales from the Road. Thank you so much, and I hope everyone has a great day. We have an active shooter. We have an active shooter inside the warehouse. Welcome to Active Shooter, a podcast that covers the whys, the hows, and the aftermath of active shooter events. We will delve into the lives interrupted by domestic terrorists. We will investigate the background of the shooter and together discuss ways in which they can be stopped or even prevented in the future. We will also discuss the failures of our mental health system. They have an active shooter in the building. A second call says they uh, are being attacked. I've been shot. One six nine same easy. We got shots fired. Four fifteen ASF. Route to ninety one. Sounded like an automatic firearm. But there appears to be shots fired. We will look at the media responses and discover together how they may have inadvertently inspired and contributed to the rise of the mass shootings. Active shooter, reports of an active shooter, active shooter, active shooter of mass casualty incidents. This is not a political podcast, nor a podcast about gun control. This is a podcast that studies the psychology behind active shooters and how and why they make the decisions they have made to take the lives of innocent people. I love you. I love you. It's going to be fine. Can you hide from there? Can you play dead? Welcome to Active Shooter. Thank you for listening. How was your break, Isela? Did you do anything to disrupt the establishment? 
<laughs> no, but I, I should have in that tiny little moment. I should have. <laughs> that was at least 60 seconds that you could have done something, Isela. I know. You're right. I feel so ashamed. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about some of the great things the Black Panthers did for their communities, because they did do a lot. While the media often vilifies the party as being a militant gang, the members of the Black Panthers actually saw themselves more as a political party that were part of the larger Black Power movement that emphasized Black pride, community control, and unification for civil rights. One of the first things they started was a free breakfast program. The program was called Free Breakfast for School Children and began in January 1969 at an Episcopal church in Oakland. Party members and volunteers would go to local grocery stores to solicit donations and they would consult with nutritionists to develop healthy breakfast options for children. The food was then prepared and served free of charge. The menu would consist of chocolate milk, eggs, meat, cereal, and fresh oranges. Oh, the goods. Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> when a Sun reporter went out to do a story about their breakfast program, he discovered that many of the kids had never eaten breakfast before the Panthers started their program. Oh, that's so sad. Brother Beckford a church parishioner who helped with the breakfast program said that school officials immediately reported results on the kids who had the free breakfast, saying the kids were no longer falling asleep in class or crying with stomach cramps. Mm. News spread and other Black Panther Party outposts started the breakfast programs in their areas. At its peak, the Black Panthers were feeding thousands of kids per day in at least 45 different communities and helped to inspire the federal free breakfast program we have today. Oh my God, that's huge. How awesome. Um, it's not going to be that awesome when you hear why they stopped. So the Black Panthers continued serving free breakfast for about a year. Would you like to take a guess, a gander, if you will, at why they stopped? Uh, they probably got some threats or something or some their money was taken away. I don't know. Wow. It was none other than our good friend, human shit stain himself, J. Edgar Hoover. Oh, wow. He called the free breakfast program potentially the greatest threat to efforts by authorities to neutralize the Black Panther Party and destroy what it stands for. He gave law enforcement the power to do whatever it took to destroy it. The FBI went door to door telling parents that the Black Panther members were teaching the children racism or that the food was infected with venereal diseases. And ultimately, the police resorted to harassing Black Panther members in front of terrified children. That's atrocious. If you think that's bad, listen to this. In Chicago, the night before they were going to serve their first breakfast, police officers broke into the church, mashed up all the food, and urinated in it. Oh, gosh. There's a, I really believe there's a special place in hell for people like that. I Eventually, karma has to get to them because that's so fucking infuriating. That's super fucked up, huh? Yeah. Police fuckery like this ultimately led to the Black Panthers breaking up the program. But this did put big pressures on local and federal governments to start up their own breakfast program. So had it not been for the Black Panthers, 14.6 million children wouldn't be fed each day before school. That's a huge number. It is. Wow, that's amazing. And I've heard from people that are part of those programs that a lot of times the food that they eat in school is the only healthy meal that some of those kids have. So it's something that's really important. Yeah, definitely. Wow, what a that's a really wonderful origin story. It is. And they continued doing more great things. There were a lot of other programs the Black Panthers started in their community, 
like free health clinics, community ambulance services, legal clinics, community pantry and clothing programs, dental programs, cooperative housing, tutoring and GED classes, transportation for elderly and disabled people, all of them free. They really did live up to their Marxist ideology. That's really beautiful. It is. Some of these programs met the same end as the free breakfast program after repeated police and government harassment. The Black Panther Party Alumni Legacy Network has 65 different programs listed that they established, many of them going on to inspire nationwide programs to aid oppressed communities. Sadly, not a lot of details are available, or else I would have shared more. Also, sadly, it wasn't all good. There were a lot of controversies surrounding the Black Panthers, mainly their violent encounters with the police. Huey Newton, one of the founders, was convicted of allegedly killing an Oakland police officer in 1968 and sentenced to 2 to 15 years in prison, but an appellate court later reversed the conviction. Eldridge Cleaver, editor of the Black Panther newspaper, and Bobby Hutton, their treasurer, were involved in a shootout with police, which resulted in Bobby Hutton being killed and two police officers being wounded. Bobby Hutton was only 17 years old. Uh, he, was, he was just a kid. Yeah, it was just a baby. In 1969, the Chicago Police Department murdered Black Panther Party member Fred Hampton and Mark Clark while they were asleep in their apartment. There was another shootout with the Black Panthers that the police described as being a fierce gun battle that resulted in 100 bullets being fired. Ballistic experts later determined that only one bullet came from the Panther's side. There was some infighting within the party as well. Alex Rackley was tortured and killed by other Black Panthers who thought he was a police informant. Betty Van Patter, the Black Panther bookkeeper, was found beaten and dead in 1974. No one was charged with her death, but some people believe party leadership might have been responsible. That's sad. It is. And I think that all this opposition they were getting from the government and the police department made them very suspicious of everybody. Yeah, I could see that for sure. The infighting within the group ultimately led to the Panthers being dissolved in 1982. According to a Smithsonian Magazine article by Jeff Greenwald, there started to be ideological differences within the group. There were power struggles and fighting between the founders Huey Newton and Bobby Seale. Some of the male members were resistant to the rise of female members as leaders. You add to that all the disinformation and disruption being caused by J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI. Some of the Black Panther Party members were also being accused of using extortion and strong-arm tactics to get contributions from local members. There were also reports that some members were dealing drugs. So a lot of things were going on that caused the group to implode from within. So that's pretty much a, as brief of a history as I can do of the Black Panthers. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you, there's a, a lot. Wow, that's that's really amazing that they went on to, what was it, 65 programs to create? 60, that's, oh my God, that's so many. That's really awesome. A lot of these that you had mentioned are things that, you know, we still need today. Wow, very informative. I, I like this one a lot. I'm glad you enjoyed it. On the Black Panther Party Alumni Legacy Network, I want to say I was looking at the comments. It was either there or was a, another one of the sources. And uh, there were people there that were commenting about being members of the Black Panthers. And they were saying that, oh, you know, the government and the media always criticize them for relying on um, government handouts and on, you know, government assistance and all that. And they said, you know, we went out and we tried to do our own thing. And then the government shuts us down. So they don't even let us have our own programs 
to where we don't have to rely on the government. We're relying on ourselves. Yeah, it's a damned if you do and damned if you don't type of thing. Exactly. Wow, that's so sad. So just to make it clear, their first name that you had mentioned at the top of the podcast was their their first name was Negro Facts History Group or something like that? Or Negro History Fact Group or something? Yes, they were the Negro History Fact Group. And they initially formed so that that way they can teach black history in colleges because they felt like uh, there was all this hoopla going on about Pioneer Day and nowhere in that did they ever mention any of the African-Americans that were there that were pioneers. I could see how that's such a huge pain point where they're, you know, it, it, like we had mentioned before, you want to know for future generations who they are, who they're able to stand on these giants of, of history makers. And if they don't have that, how do you ever feel like you can make a difference? Exactly. You feel like you don't have any role models. Right. Well, fucking government was killing a lot of them, unfortunately, it sounds like. Sadly, they were. Or killing their ideas, too. So you know me? I don't like to end on a sad note. Right. And we can't talk about the Black Panthers without talking about the Black Panther. Yes. The following is from a Britannica article by David Roach, created for Marvel Comics by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Black Panther first appeared in Fantastic Four number 52 in July of 1966, predating the Black Panther Party by three months. Wow. Despite Marvel being first with the name, they did change the character's name briefly to Black Leopard to avoid any type of political association with the Black Panther Party. Interesting. I never knew that. I didn't either. But Black Leopard does not have the same ring as Black Panther. Black Panther sounds fucking tough. Black Leopard, eh, I don't know, not so much. Yeah, it doesn't have the same swagger. Yeah, absolutely. The character was originally created by Lee and Kirby to fill the void of black characters in comics. T'Challa was a member of the royal family of the fictional African country of Wakanda, which had a mix of futuristic technology and traditional African life. Vibranium, a rare meteoric ore, made the technology possible. After T'Challa's father is murdered by Ulysses Claw, T'Challa becomes heir to the throne and takes up the mantle of the Black Panther. After being exposed to a mystical herb, he develops superhuman speed and agility. After meeting the Fantastic Four, he decides his powers would be of better use in the service of all humanity and leaves Wakanda and goes to New York, leaving his people behind. In 1968, he joined the Avengers. Eventually, T'Challa ends up going back to Wakanda, where social issues start being integrated into the story and in 1973, he headlines his own book for the first time. The book was called Jungle Action and was written by Don McGregor with artwork by black artist Billy Graham. It was also the first comic to feature an all-black cast and tackled such topics as colonialism and democracy and the Ku Klux Klan. This is what year? This was in 1973. That's, that's so cool. Sadly, the comic was canceled after two years by Marvel due to poor sales. In 1977, though, Jack Kirby tried bringing back the character under a new Black Panther title, but it lacked the gritty realism that was featured in the McGregor and Graham title and seemed to go all off the deep end a la James Gunn with time-traveling frog statues and Wakanda nobles known as the Black Musketeers. Now, if you couldn't tell by that description, the title also didn't do well and was also short-lived. They tried rebooting the title again in 1988 and 1991. But by this time, black characters were no longer a novelty, and Milestone Comics 
was coming out with black characters that were much more relevant and relatable with readers than a wealthy African king. There were numerous other attempts to reboot the character throughout the 90s and 2000s. I'm not going to name everything, but I'll touch on a few elements that added to the lore as we know it now. From 1998 to 2003, Christopher Priest reintroduced the character in a more adult-focused book called Marvel Knights. It was a critically acclaimed series and introduced us to Dora Milaje, the team of female bodyguards that protect T'Challa and Wakanda. So that's very prominent in the movie. Right. That's so cool. I have yet to see the second one. Oh my God. I was going to ask you that if you've seen it. Everyone tells me that I'm going to cry. I'm not ready to cry. I also feel like <laughs> I'm not entirely ready to face or or even fully recognize, even though I, of course, I do understand. I don't, I don't want to admit that there's a Black Panther out there without Chadwick. <laughs> I know it sounds so stupid, but he was, oh my God, he was amazing. He was. I can't picture anybody else playing the Black Panther. Totally agree. You have to see it for other reasons, though. Okay. I don't know if you remember those cartoons when we were kids, The Submariner with Neymar, The Submariner. That was back during the Anna-Barbera. I want to say it was Anna-Barbera that did them. And the animation was really shitty and they would talk, but it was only like the lips that would move and the rest of the body was just kind of drawn. <laughs> no, I don't remember that. That sounds, that sounds uh, a little, uh, uh, yeah, elementary or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to say that it's Anna Barbera, but for some reason I think it was Anna Barbera. Okay. That was, I think, the first superhero that I was familiar with just because I would watch those cartoons. So all this time, I've been wanting them to introduce Neymar, the Submariner. Oh. So he's introduced in the Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Oh. And his story, it's not the way that I remember it. I don't know if they rebooted it or maybe I just don't remember from when I was a kid, but his origin story is fucking badass. Oh, cool. Also, when we're young, we only catch like 25% of what we were really watching, you know? Who knows? Oh, that's so cool and exciting. And back then, I didn't know English either, so I think I made up what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From 2005 to 2008 and 2009 to 2010, Reginald Hudlin wrote for the book in which time T'Challa was briefly married to Storm from the X-Men, uniting the two most popular black male and black female Marvel characters. And I actually have one of those books. <gasps> That's so exciting. <laughs> Does that mean it's uh, one of those rare copies and it's appreciative and value and all that jazz? That I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think it's worth that much. Still, that's a flex. How cool. <laughs> that's super cool. The cover is badass. I bet. In 2016, Tanahisi Coates relaunched the Black Panther comic and the debut issue was one of the best-selling comics of 2016. Later that year, the Black Panther entered the MCU in Captain America Civil War and was played by Chadwick Boseman. In 2018, Ryan Coogler's Black Panther saw Boseman reprise his role as the Black Panther, becoming one of the best-reviewed MCU movies to date. I believe that. It is amazing. It's still one of my favorite. Yeah, it was such a good movie. It was so exciting. Everything looked beautiful. <laughs> Did you hear that funny fun fact that there was a lot of people calling into several like travel agencies and trying to book a trip to Wakanda. <laughs> That's funny. I don't doubt it though. Yeah. These geography bee people. <laughs> Bozeman and his other Black Panther co-stars also feature prominently in Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. 
I think it's too soon to spoil Wakanda forever, especially since it's not in streaming yet. So I will refrain from giving details about it, aside from what I already said. But it might have been my favorite movie of 2022. That's a lot. All right. That's a lot to say. Yeah, it's a toss-up between that one and Glass Onion. Uh, the Batman is up there also. After you watch those movies again. But um, yeah, I was going to ask you if you had watched Wakanda Forever and you already said no. Yes, sadly, I have not. I am totally ashamed. Actually, I really want to watch it. So, yeah. If it's still at the movie theater, I'm down to go watch it with you. Yeah. I, I, do they still have Dollar Theater? <laughs> like, let's go find it for real. I don't know. Either that or we can probably download it from BitTorrent or something. Oh my God. Do they still have BitTorrents? <laughs> so Napster. <laughs> That's a very Napster thing to say. We'll go on LimeWire and see if we can find this. <laughs> that was the other one. It's like, shoot, I don't remember any of the other ones. Any parting thoughts on the Black Panthers or the Black Panther? I definitely learned a lot. That's for sure. I don't think I knew like 75% of that. I didn't know that there were these cool... 10 point guidelines and every guideline was not even, I don't even feel like that was asking for much, you know, but yeah, no, I, it, it was a really, yeah, it was a really informative one. Thank you for that. You're very welcome. And I have to agree with you with the 10 point guidelines honestly feel like common sense. It feels like this is what should be done for all citizens of the U.S. Yes, I completely agree. Yeah. If we can get the judicial system Ugh, corrected, but we can't until we get the cops acting better. And oh my God, it's such a trickle down effect. We should start our own political party, the Brown Panthers. The Brown <laughs> <laughs> And then the girls will be the Pink Panthers. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything else. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. On that high note, we hope that you enjoyed the show. And you join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are sold. Yay, yay. Follow us on the socials at greetingstac. Email us at greetingstac at gmail.com. Or leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669. If you have a story to share with us. If you just want to say hello. Or if you were a former Black Panther member and want to discuss your experiences with us. Absolutely. I would way rather hear that than anybody's just hello. <laughs> Although we would welcome somebody just uh, calling in to say hello. Just anything. You know what? Just give us a prank call even. <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs>